Welcome to the Anxiety Proof Her podcast, where amazing women come for education, inspiration, and hope around healing from anxiety. Each month, you're going to hear from other women who took control of their mental health by using outside-the-box holistic strategies to cope with their anxiety and to ultimately thrive. You will also learn from experts in the health and wellness industry about the tools they use every day to help their patients reclaim their well-being. We hope this information allows you to see that there are many different paths to healing. I'm your host, Jennifer Bronsnick, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker and anxiety treatment professional. I help women and teen girls who struggle with anxiety, self-doubt, and perfectionism to tap into their innate resilience, get to the root of their fears, and implement custom healing strategies so that they can experience peace of mind, more self-confidence, and be liberated from the suffering that living with anxiety causes. I have lived with anxiety my whole life and know how hard it can be. I also know that there is hope and it's 100% treatable with the right information and support. Thank you so much for showing up for yourself and taking the first step to reclaiming your well-being and resilience. Hi, today on the Anxiety Proof Her podcast, I am talking to Rachel Friedman, who was able to handle a lot of big anxiety that she was having as a teen and figure out through holistic and integrative strategies the tools that help her to thrive today, even when going through really challenging times. So thanks for tuning in. Rachel, thank you so, so much for offering your time and your story and your wisdom. Um, I am such a big believer in the power of hearing our all of our collective life experiences to just have greater hope and self-compassion for you know what we're going through especially as it connects to anxiety because anxiety just makes you feel so crappy um so tell me tell me a little bit about you know what is your experience with anxiety did you always feel anxious or was this like a new thing for you yeah i would say i probably um I didn't obviously know at the eight, I was, I'd say it was probably around 13, 12 or 13. I didn't know that's what it was. Um, but I would say it probably started around taking tests and I would get really anxious, um, when I had to take a test and, um, you know, I knew the information, but my brain would like just become a fog and I would feel my heart racing and my palms sweating, which of course now I know is anxiety. Um, I would feel nauseous and it really felt like it just took over me. So for really, I mean, now I'm like, you know, 44 years old for a really long time. Yes. And um, it made me very irritable. Um, My mom thought I was just a grouchy, irritable teenager. Um, and now I really know that it wasn't just that, um, something was definitely happening. And, um, as I look at my family's line of history now, my mom definitely has it. I mean, I think her mom, probably. I think it's like, you know, I, I definitely believe that, you know, there's a genetic component to it too. And, um, no one was really managing it though. Right. Like they were just sort of like, this is the way you are you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I would say it probably started around 13, 12, 13. And, um, I probably say that my first real, like full on anxiety, panic 
attack, if that's what you want to call it, was when mm-hmm. I was 16 taking the SATs and totally like had to leave the classroom and went to the bathroom and just, I couldn't even continue. It was just, yeah, that was my first real experience. So what happened after that? Like, did you reach out for support? What was sort of your, your journey with that? Like, what was the first thing you did? Yeah. So, um, the first thing I think I did is tell my mom and I think she told, she just kind of was was like, "Ah, just suck it up basically, um, figure it out. And, um, so actually ironically that around, around 12, 13, when I started to feel like a a little bit, I would then go home and like what I didn't know then, like kind of self-medicate by eating Mm. because it like calmed me to eat. Um, and then, you know, when I was 16, I just did more of that. And so as a high, as a teenager, I wasn't like for my body frame, I was a little bit on the heavier side and then yeah, that really became my way of dealing with it. Because when I brought it to the attention of like my mom, it was kind of like, you know, I don't know, I guess it was just kind of like accepted that that's just, you just deal with it. Um, right. That was, like, and that's that just was her kind, experience. Yeah. You just deal yeah. with it. Like, and there wasn't really like, we don't really talk about therapy or talk about other ways to manage it. That wasn't really ever brought up. Um, and then yeah, in college, I gained a lot of weight my freshman year. Like most people, I think, gained like, what, like 15 pounds. Mm-hmm. I think I gained like 30 or 40. And then yeah. then I had, um, and you can see me right now, but like I'm a pretty small person now. Yeah, so for I was sure. Much, much larger back then. And um, then I had on top of it a compounding effect. So I had this anxiety that I didn't know how to deal with. And now I had like all of this self loathing and really a lot of body shaming and just, it was, it was not a, not a pretty time. Yeah. Yeah. But you're here today, a person who is coping and really doing great. So what was, there is an end in sight. Yeah. So, but (laughs) what flipped that switch? Like, where did you, get the information or the support that allowed you to do that? So when I, um, my freshman year in college, I, you know, lived in a dorm. I went to Syracuse and I uh, met a girlfriend and she was um, a social work major. And at the time I was a nutrition major because at that point, like I was obsessed with food and I was obsessed with trying to figure out how to get skinny. So um, actually my junior and senior year in high school, as I was gaining more weight, my mom took me to Weight Watchers. I mean, that was the solution. Let's go to Weight Watchers. Let's try this nutritionist. Let's try this diet. So I had already been on like a billion diets. So I was trying to really, I think, heal myself. And I thought it was, if I lost weight, everything would be better. So I was a nutrition major, but I, my roommate was, uh, or my friend down the hall was a social work major. And we started talking one day and I was like, I don't remember how, but she got me thinking, oh, I want to understand more of the psychology behind it than the food behind it. So I switched into social work and through my years of um, that, it was, I think, really the beginning steps of starting to understand a little bit more about all these feelings, what was going on inside of me, and that actually had a name. Yeah, that's so fast. So it wasn't even until college that you were like, oh, this was all anxiety. Yeah. And I mean, kind of ironic because even though I was learning about the theory and the philosophy Mm -hmm. behind it in college and even in grad school, I still 
didn't really, I really still didn't know how to help myself, ironically. Like I was starting to learn how to help other people, but I hadn't really learned how to apply it to myself. There was like a, there was like a block almost there. Okay. So was there like, what was like that baby step that allowed you to go from that? Okay. I'm helping others. Like, I know I have anxiety. I don't know what I'm doing about (laughs) it that like open the door for you. Yeah. It's kind of ironic. So, um, I was, um, I was working as a social worker, um, with, um, you know, in a lockdown facility, actually with 12 to 18 year old girls, very stressful job. And one of my, my girlfriend, the one who actually got me into social work had gotten into yoga and she was like, Rachel, you've got to try this. It's like therapy on a mat. You're going to love it. That was when everything started to shift for me. So she came to visit. We went to a yoga class. It was like, love at first sight. It was sweaty. And um, at this point I had actually already lost a fair amount of weight. I had started to eat healthier and, um, you know, that obviously had an impact on my anxiety a little bit too. Um, but yeah, the yoga, it taught me how to connect to my body it taught me how to breathe. Um, and it really, um, it's hard to explain, but it it, it helped me connect to myself. Mm -hmm. And through that connection, I fell in love with the practice. I ended up becoming a yoga teacher. Um, And when I went through that training, everything changed. That training was very much based in mindset and Mm -hmm. being mindful. And um, it was in self-inquiry. So like learning about the stories about yourself, all the stories you've been telling yourself and how to rewrite those stories. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was kind of like the huge turning point in my life um, where I started like on this more, like not just helping others now, but now is actually helping myself. That's awesome. And so you went to social work school. Did you become a yoga teacher? Did you like, did you actually use the training? Yeah. So I actually, I, you know, I was practicing social work. I actually ended up leaving social work after um, I had moved and I um, was like in a transition. I became, yeah, I took the training. I became a teacher and then I actually opened up a yoga studio. It like landed on my lap basically. And I did that. Um, I sold my studio about two years ago. So I did that for about seven years wow. and I trained other people to be yoga teachers, but literally that was like me doing that work on myself and then helping literally other teachers do it really opened my eyes to like, just how many people are actually even struggling, like how alone, how alone I felt and now how alone I don't feel. Yeah. And, um, it's the combination, I think, of using the background I had plus the the breath and the meditation and moving your body and learning how to connect with yourself was really, I believe, that perfect balance, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I say anxiety is not my friend. I wouldn't say I don't have it. Like, I think it's something that, like, I probably will always have. Totally. But I just know how to manage her. Like, she's not an asshole to me. Pardon my French. I don't know if I'm allowed to. Yeah. But she's, she's just she's just there and she kind of comes and goes. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just have tools though. Now, like I know certain things that I need to do every day to keep her at bay. Okay. What are those things? Like, are there like three non-negotiables that you have? Absolutely. I love that you said three, because that's exactly what it is. So, um, 
I wake up every morning and I, well, I pee first, right? But yeah. then I meditate. That is a non-negotiable. Okay. Like, even if I have to get up at like 5 a.m. instead of 6 a.m. or whatever, um, I try to do 20 minutes. There are some okay. mornings where I hit snooze too many times and it becomes 15 or 10, but that's pretty much a non-negotiable. It used to be like I started with doing it like two or three days a week and then it became four days and now it's pretty much seven days a week. Okay. Um, I, I'm like, can't exactly explain it, even though I've studied it to death. I just know it works. Um, totally. I know it's worked for every person I have taught it to. Yeah. Um, so med- meditation, I do that. And then I have a journal, I take it out and I do my own like self coaching, my thought work. So journaling, basically mm-hmm. I write down, I call it a, a brain dump. So I like take out all the crap in my head, put it down, look at it. Um, And then if there's any thoughts that I see that are like kind of bothering me, then I'll do a little more investigating on them, ask myself some Mm -hmm. questions. And then the third step I do is I say, um, I call it thoughts on purpose. So I order up what I want to think for the day. So I always say we go to a cafe, coffee shop, we tell them what we want and they give it to us. We don't just stand there and expect them to know, but we expect as humans to wake up in our brain to serve up all the good stuff, but our brains don't, they serve up like, I feel like, you know, a tuna pop tart, which that sounds absolutely disgusting. Right. (laughs) So like, but so I intentionally write out anywhere between, I don't know, some days it's three thoughts, some days it's 10 thoughts. Um, what I want to direct my brain towards for the day. Those are my three non-negotiables for the day that really helped me a lot. And it sounds like it would only really take about 30 minutes. Yeah. I mean, total. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I can condense it to like 15 if I need to. Right. Like if it's Um, a rush day. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And now do you notice like when you don't do it because it's become such a habit, like, is there a shift for you? Yes. Um, Okay. So yes, like sometimes on a Saturday or Sunday, like if I'm being lazy, you know, I'll like, oh, I'll do it later, you know? And I've noticed on those days, I'm just a little shorter. I have a lot less patience um, for my kids, for my mm-hmm. husband. Um, I think it was like at some point in the beginning of COVID, I had fallen into, you know, we all kind of like all the uncertainty fall into like, like maybe almost a, probably three or four days, maybe close to a week. And I was, I was a grouch, man. I was was anxious. And of course it was accumulating, right? Like life itself was definitely a lot of uncertainty, but, um, yeah, I noticed as soon as I got back on, you know, my routine, it was Mm -hmm. like grounded, you know? Yeah. No, I love that self-awareness that you have the ability to notice like, Oh my gosh, I stopped doing this. And now, my anxiety is coming back because like you said, anxiety is not going anywhere. There's no. always going to be, <laughs> she's <stress>. there. <laughs> she's there. She just doesn't need to be in the driver's seat. Exactly. So it's, I love that you have figured out what works for you. And what I've learned from interviews and talking to people is that your journey is totally different from my journey or someone else's journey, that there's not this one way that, we can find well-being because I think that's the goal. I think we all just want to enjoy our lives. Like we want to be able to go places and to take tests and to do hard things and to be able to deal with 
the feeling states that arise in our bodies because they're wild. Like it's crazy what anxiety does in the body. So I'm curious, have you had panic attacks since that, the, the test taking, or you Um, find that now that it's, you just can cope with it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I had a little bit of one when I sold my half of my studio, I had moments of, um, Oh, I'm making the wrong, you know, like a lot of, it was, it was, you know, it was like selling a ba- your baby basically. Um, I mean, I hate to compare it to that, but it really kind of is it, you know, it had become all consuming in a lot of ways. So definitely there was, I don't know if I would have called it them, but looking back now, that was like two and a half years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think there was a little bit of it, but on a day-to-day basis, no. Okay. Um, I mean, in college, yes. I mean, but ever since I really, I would say in the last probably just a couple of years where my meditation practice, this morning routine has become mm-hmm. so consistent and so ritualistic, probably say the last five years, probably maybe just that. And it was short lived. It wasn't like, you know, it didn't last a super long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's even my kids say I'm, they, they know the difference. I mean, I know my kids, um, you know, 10 years ago, um, I didn't have this morning routine. I didn't have this practice. I also, I didn't have a coach. I have a coach now who definitely helps me with, mm-hmm. you know, keeping my business and my mind and my life. Like I feel like in order, but um, both of my kids were on anxiety medicine for a while. And I really think it was partially my anxiety was a lot worse. Like now it's just so, mm-hmm. so much more um, in control and both of them are off of it now. And I really, I really think there's a huge correlation to us as parents when we have it under control that mm-hmm. not always, but more likely they're able to have it under control too. Yeah. Well, just being that model of how to handle big, uncomfortable feelings. Cause yeah. you know, we see, I see it all the time. Like, I just want my kid to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good sometimes, but it's really important for them to be sad and mm-hmm. be scared and to be angry and yeah. to like, to not just put this like happiness on a pedestal. I think we, you know, that's why our kids suffer is because you just, that's impossible. Like we just can't be happy all the time. Like it. I agree. Chasing. I love that. You just said that happiness yeah. on a pedestal. Yeah. I think we do that. Or a lot of people do that. I know I did for a long time. Totally. And it's so fascinating how it's when you say, okay, I'm going to put all of them up there and Mm. then be okay with whatever's showing up. And it doesn't mean that you're crazy if you're sad. Like there's like right now is a good time Mm -hmm. to be sad. Like we're, you know, and going through a really hard time and I'm talking, you know, to kids and they're having a hard time in new schooling and, you know, all, all the things right now. And so as parents, like you said, when you can be that role model, which sounds like you're really doing a good job at, um, with your morning routine. Yeah. So are you now helping other people with anxiety? What is your, yeah, I don't, I mean, yes and no. Um, I find that, um, so mostly what I do now is I help people with emotional eating. And so, but I find that anxiety and emotional eating are kind of like sisters. 
Like, Interesting. so okay. generally I find most people are emotional eating because they are covering up either anxiety, you know, it's stress mm-hmm. often. And as they learn to cope with that, I don't, use the word anxiety so much anymore. I say stress. Yeah. Some people I don't say worry want, part, right? <laughs> worry part. I love worry that. Part. People, obviously, I mean, in clinical brain wants to call it anxiety, but I don't technically label it. I guess that these days for the most part, but yeah, the worry part of your brain or the stress in your life is what leads a lot of us to emotionally eat. Um, and of course there's other things too, but I find they do tend to Um, like I said, they go hand in hand a lot. And really what drew me to this specifically is it's, you know, I have such a long history with food was the way I coped. And I just have this, I want other women, I guess men too, but really women is mostly who I work with to know there is like, there is a light at the end of, um, there is a light out there. Mm -hmm. Like it, you don't have to use food to feel better. And like you said, Part of it is I think we have it, this ideal, this expectation for our life, and then it's not living up to it. And so we're then just self-sabotaging ourselves constantly. Whereas, you know, I really believe life's 50-50. And so, well, now I do. I didn't always. And that has been so helpful for me. So then, like you said, it's, it's okay to feel sad and you don't have to go eat to make yourself feel better. You can just feel the sadness. You can learn how to process it through and then go on because what happens is right. Like then you eat and then you're going to pile game and game shame and guilt on top. And then you Mm -hmm. feel even worse. And it's like, you're on this hamster wheel. Um, So yeah, I like to help people like just get, get healthy, right? Like get healthy Mm -hmm. mentally and physically. And it's like kind of brought my yoga world with the, psychology world kind of together. Yeah. Well, I think it's all connected, like the body, the mind, the spirit, like you can't just work on one. You can't separate it. No. Exactly. You can't separate Um, them. Yeah. So I love that. Um, So what are any final words that you want someone that's maybe struggling with anxiety? Maybe their coping tool is using food. Is there like, what's one like quick win that they could have like right now today? Yeah. Like I said, the number one thing I would say is start really small, but just try for five minutes to sit and observe your breath for five minutes. If that's the only thing you have time for, just do five minutes, even five minutes. And if you start to do it every day, you'll create a great habit and then you can start to grow it. And Mm. I think that alone can really change someone's life. That's awesome. And is there, and I'll put it like in the show notes and in the website, but is there a link or some way that people could reach out to you if they want to know more about your story or your work? Absolutely. It's just rachelbethcoaching.com. And, you know, I can give you that. And of course on all the platforms, social media, um, I do, um, I do post, you know, like I, I'm pretty open book as I told you. Yeah. And, um, I do post on my Instagram and on my Facebook, um, my stories, client stories. And then I, I, I give free meditations and stuff, you know, and just yeah. post it there. So if someone needs a little bit of help, you know, I try to give some tools that have helped me, um, mm-hmm. help my clients. So, yeah. 
That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, your story, and for all the good work that you're doing in the world. I really, really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm, I'm so glad you're sharing other people's stories. So people don't have to know that they're not alone. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in your well-being. I hope you learned at least one new idea or technique that you might want to implement into your own life. Remember, you're not alone. There is hope. And with the right information and support, you can thrive. If you're dealing with panic or looking for a step-by-step process that will allow you to break free from this crippling fear state, I want to invite you to check out my Panic Attack Survival Guide. You can grab your free copy at www.jenniferbronznick.com. Thanks for listening.